What's up, guys? Welcome back to World of Wally. Uh, our guest today is a gentleman named Jean-Pierre Gialnola. He uh, was born in Long Beach on July 7th of 1984. Uh, just a couple years after he was born, his father left himself, his mother, and his brother out on the street. But his grandmother stepped in and saved the day, took him in. Um, this young man had every opportunity to not be a success and to not be someone who placed an impact on the, on the world around him, but he chose not to. Um, he now does a wide variety of things. Um, he does comedy at all the major uh, comedy clubs for absolutely no pay. He's been doing comedy and rap for over 14 years and recently just got back into stand-up comedy. Um, he loves to act. He does impressions. He has over a hundred credits, uh, impression credits to his name. He does celebrities. He does presidents. He does accents. He even does cartoons. Comedy and music, uh, rap, hip hop, lyricism, writing, freestyle, music production. Those are all loves and true passions of his. Uh, growing up in Long Beach, uh, he was constantly surrounded by those influences. And it spoke to him because he witnessed the injustice the streets have offered people with little to nothing. But hip-hop showed him beauty can come from suffering. He also has worked with different artists alongside uh, Sony Music producer and writer Bruce Automatic Vanderveer. Uh, he goes, his, his rap moniker uh, is MC Pierre. Uh, MC Pierre always does unique things. He also, just on the side, um, well, not really on the side, but another project of his, another passion of his, is the paranormal world. And uh, he, all, he actually holds a PhD in parapsychology, and he runs a nonprofit organization called Paranormal Organization. Uh, it's the Southern California Paranormal Detectives is the actual name of the organization. He's been featured on Haunted History, and consulted for numerous paranormal shows and publications. He currently is producing a paranormal website series called The Real Paranormal Detectives. You can find that on YouTube. We're going to talk about all of that stuff, uh, everything he's got going on. Um, he's excited to be here today. He wants to tell you about everything he's got going on. So guys, if you'll hang in there after the break, uh, from this point on, we'll just refer to him as Jean-Pierre, so I don't have to struggle with his last name anymore, or we might even refer to him as MC Pierre. But after the break, guys, Jean-Pierre, my guest today. So hang in there. No solutions inside. So much sense is lost alive, and it happens all the time. Many kids, moms, and wives never got to say goodbye because of how the bullets fly in the streets late at night. Kids, they bleed and they die over selfish male pride and the anchor trapped inside. These young people who relied on a system that is lied and cannot really provide for the people living in it. All it does is set your limits, tell you that you never finish. Gang like you in it, make you. Hey guys, this is William here at World of Wally. Just want to talk about a partner that we picked up this for season two. It's FNX Fit. They are a nutrition and supplement company. Uh, everything that they produce is made in the USA. So we are made in the USA proud here at World of Wallet. So we wanted to partner with these guys. You will be able to go to the link that will be in the episode description. Um, it's FNX.com. 
grsm.io front slash world of Wally. And you better use this discount code FNX7DFQ at checkout. And by doing that and by using that exclusive link, you're going to receive 15% off your purchase. And you can reuse that link and that code to get that deal every time you visit the site. And remember, guys, World of Wally appreciates their listeners, appreciates their fans, appreciates their followers and their subscribers. And that's why we partnered with these guys because they have the same outlook that we do. It's all about helping people. All right, guys, we're back from the break. And as promised, my guest today, Jean-Pierre. Jean, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Thank you for having me. How about yourself? I am good, brother. I am good. Um, from this point on, during our conversation, you tell me how you want to be referred to. Do you want to be known as MC Pierre? Do you want to be known as Jean-Pierre? Uh, I'm not even going to attempt your last name. You're going to tell me in just a second how to pronounce that, so my listeners will know uh, how to track you on different social media platforms. So how, how do we yeah, want to go from here? of course. Uh, you just call me Jean-Pierre. That's fine. Jean- and, uh, my, my full... Jean-Pierre. Yeah, I like that. No. Jean-Pierre. That's good. I, there I, you go. I kind of feel like I'm talking to the to the uh, candlestick from from uh, Beauty and the Beast now. Jean-Pierre. <laughs> you probably my favorite movie. <laughs> I should say you probably could voice that also because you do do voiceover impression stuff. So, all right. So yeah, I do accent, so that works. <laughs> how do you pronounce your last name? All right, so it's an Italian last name. It's Gignoli is how you pronounce it. Jean-Pierre Gignoli. Yeah, that was, is my full name. <laughs> I was nowhere close. In your intro, if, when you, if you take the time to listen to this uh, conversation later when it's published, you will notice I butchered your last name, and I apologize for that. All right, so... Okay, I'm used to it. <laughs> all right, for all my listeners, this guy, you've probably never heard of him before, or maybe you have. Maybe you've stumbled across him somewhere on YouTube or somewhere you know, through social media. This guy is a true embodiment of a chameleon. He can absolutely do everything. Uh, I was reading through his bio and was absolutely blown away with the amount of things that he's able to do at such a high level. Let's go ahead... The first thing I want to talk to you about, Jean-Pierre, is you're, you have a very strong music influence in your life. Uh, I know in your bio it actually talks about uh, growing up in Long Beach, California, uh, you gravitated to a certain type of music because it actually you actually felt the pain and, and, the, uh, and I guess the glory of this style of music. Tell, tell our listeners a little bit about the styles of music that you gravitate to. Yeah, definitely. Uh, so something that obviously, like like you had mentioned, is very important in my life, very big, is uh, rap and hip-hop music. Growing up in Long Beach, California, I was surrounded by it, you know, I was born in the 80s, so that's definitely when it was popping off, in the early 90s, especially, um, you know, early, mid, late 90s is when Long Beach kind of got on the map with Snoop Dogg and a lot of artists coming out of that uh, era and that area. Uh, so it was around me and influenced me again growing up. Like, I didn't grow up in the best neighborhood, so I definitely saw the things that these artists rapped about. So I definitely connected with the music and understood what they were rapping about. So like you said, there's a lot of passion in it. There's a lot of truth in it for people that live in those areas and experience those types of things. Um, and yeah, I just really connected with the music and uh you know kind of quietly to myself i would write rhymes and stuff like that just for fun 
and actually high school, um, I had to do a, a poem in my in an English class. And when I did it, I rhymed everything. And I didn't do it intentionally. It's just something that's, that was kind of natural for me. And my teacher gave me full credit, even though it wasn't the assignment because it wasn't structured like a normal poem. But she was so impressed by how I did it. She said, I, I want you to redo it just so you I make sure you know how to do poetry in this form. But that was very clever, very funny and ingenious. And I love I loved reading it like it was it was good. And I, I realized at that point that, OK, maybe I have something with with me rhyming words and putting it together. Uh, and yeah, from there, like I said, I kind of just privately wrote. I used to be kind of an introvert when I was younger um, in high school when I was in choir and, and performing music and stuff, uh, people heard I rapped and, you know, kind of tried to push me to, to show my raps or, or battle people and stuff. And I was still kind of shy back then. College is when I started working at my college radio station and had access to a studio and, you know, taking classes where I learned how to use the equipment. So I kind of recorded my voice a little bit, you know, I was used to being on the air and doing different things. And so music became super huge for me. I started writing songs, putting songs together, putting stuff out there on MySpace. When MySpace was popular, actually, that's where I really built a name for myself is uh, I would put my music up on MySpace. And I had quite a few big promoters in Los Angeles uh, contacting me about doing shows and, and coming out. And so even without any music actually released besides uh, MySpace, like I, I had gotten a lot of attention so um yeah it's a definitely a deep passion of mine uh, when i first started writing because i was raised around kind of the gangster stuff that's kind of how i wrote but i never felt it really expressed who i was as a person you know because I, I grew up around that and a lot of people who did that stuff but i wasn't really involved in it and they even because of the person i am towards people they encouraged me not to get into that lifestyle they said man look you got talent don't mess up your life you know my, i have friends that went to prison that got arrested that had all kinds of stuff happen and all those people encouraged me to like follow my dreams and my talents because they said, you know, don't mess up your life like we did. Um, so eventually in college, one of my friends introduced me to underground hip hop, which is more, you know, it's stuff you don't hear on the mainstream. You won't hear it on the radio. It's, it's stuff you got to keep your kind of ear to the streets. And he showed me an artist uh, by the name of Mortal Technique from New York. And when I heard his music had, had a, a social message, it talked about real issues. And I knew that's where I wanted to be and wanted to go. So that's really when I started taking rap serious and writing music that had a message and meaning. And I talked about serious issues. So that, that had a huge impact. And I really started moving forward. And, you know, I used to battle. So, you know, you freestyle battle, meaning you go on a stage against another MC, another rapper. Uh, they, and you have to, off the top of your head, come up with a rhyme and make fun of that person. And you go back and forth. And whoever has the best disses, as they call it, you know, wins the battle. So I went out. I made a name for myself battling and beating other MCs. And uh, would win, you know, I would win shows. I would open up for, like, Wu-Tang Clan and stuff like that. So... In Southern California, about from 06 to about 08, I really made a name for myself. I was touring locally with a lot of big artists and opening up for a lot of big artists. So that's kind of where it started. And I've been continuing since then. And right now, I think I'm at the, the peak of my music where I'm actually, uh, something else I do is uh, investigate the paranormal. I'm currently working on a rap album that is only about the paranormal, about ghosts, UFOs, Bigfoot, all kinds of weird stuff. And that's a huge project I'm working on. And uh, it's a huge undertaking as well as I have big plans for it. I hope to do a tour where I tour um, only haunted venues and, and you know, theaters and maybe have like a VIP experience with my fans and we go investigate the haunted location after that. So I think that would be uh, really, really cool. 
So that's that's kind of a lot about my music right there. I would have never believed in 10 minutes' time I would have gotten a Wu-Tang Clan reference, a Snoop Dogg reference, a MySpace reference, which I have not heard in 15 years. That's, that's probably the last time I heard a MySpace reference. Our, our younger listeners have no idea what you're talking about when it's MySpace. I, I can't even explain. It, it's even difficult to explain. MySpace was it back in the day. Uh, it, uh-huh. it was like everything else. It just it was eventually just eaten up and, and replaced by something else. Okay, uh, a couple of questions that I was going to ask you about it that you've already answered. Um, some of your musical influences, uh, you you uh, refer to the underground uh, rap that came out of New York that you were influenced by, and also because I knew out in California at that time, you know, the gangster rap was actually a big deal. I was going to ask you, did you avoid the trappings that most do when you get involved in that lifestyle? End up in prison, end up dead, end up, you know, on drugs, whatever. Um, so what, like, who was, I mean, you said Snoop Dogg, of course, came out of your area. Uh, funny story about Snoop Dogg, the, an urban legend that lasted for 15 years until he finally disproved it was Snoop Dogg actually came from the state of Mississippi. Like he supposedly graduated from high school in the state of Mississippi, which uh, it was not true, but it was an urban legend that lived for 12 or 15 years until he finally wow. disproved it. Yeah, he's, supposedly he um, he graduated from a high school, a uh, little place called Collins, Mississippi, which is probably 40 miles north of where I'm located right now. So I knew there was no validity to that because, like I said, I was I was a teenager in the 80s, and you were talking about how you were influenced by music. I can remember, I'm old enough now. I remember the inception of of rap and hip hop, and you know it's it's got so many different um, titles and so many different subgenres now. For example, I grew up on stuff like Sugar Hill Gang and Run DMC and the Beastie Boys and stuff like that, which are the, you know, we were, I made the reference earlier about the OGs. That those, those guys, you know, guys like Will Smith, you know, Fresh Prince um, and DJ Jazzy Jeff, those guys, those were the OGs back in the day when hip hop and rap actually got started. And then, of course, it, it morphed, it morphed to stuff like, um, like uh, Naughty by Nature and uh, you know stuff like that. Um, so that's why I was wondering how you how directly influenced you were by what style. Because when you say the term rap and hip hop are two totally different things now, they they at one point were the same. They were they were interchangeable. So that's why I was wondering what your influences were. So music is music is still your deal. You're still doing music. You just you just said you got projects uh, going with music. You also um, you like to act. You do impressions. You do stand up. Um, I mean, you got so much going on. For example, if if you had to choose one, I mean, if tomorrow morning you got it, you can only do one thing: acting, impressions, stand up, music. What would it be? Uh, I'm sorry, paranormal investigation. Let's don't leave it out. What would it be yeah. if you had to make that choice in the morning? What would it be? Yeah, definitely. So I'm gonna start with this. I'm a very passionate man. I love all the things that I do, and I'm passionate about every single one of them in the same way. But if I did have to choose one, I would choose music. Music feeds my soul. It, it lets me express myself and. The reason why, I think, in a bigger way is because I actually was severely abused by my family growing up, and 
and I didn't have a way to express myself in my household. So I, instead of being destructive, I was creative, and music was my outlet, comedy was my outlet, acting was my outlet. You know, all these things were outlets for me. You know, and even the paranormal got me out of the house and away from the abuse. So, um, I, but I think music really I get to be authentically myself when I write my lyrics or even when I produce a song. So that would that if I was forced to, I would choose that. But I love all of my passions equally, to be honest. Okay, it says on your bio that you do uh, over one hundred types of impressions. Is that, a, is that a number that was put out there to kind of just bolster the website, the bio information, or you literally can do over a hundred different types of impressions? Yeah, um, well, it's, I mean, and I think it's correct on there, uh, impressions, accents, and voices. So um, I'm including all of the things I do, meaning that, like, I do a ton of impressions. I've honestly, I had to start making a list because I lose track of how many impressions I do of different cartoon characters, celebrities, um, you know, politicians, whatever, like, you know, the list goes on and on. Uh, but I also do accents different from different dialects, different areas, things like that. So, yeah, I definitely, it's including all of, the things I do with my voice uh, that I have a hundred plus of accents, voices, you know, characters, things like that. So I uh, know it's something I actually do. I've been doing a lot of my life. I've always been kind of, I call myself a regurgitator or an imitator when I was little. I used to imitate Michael Jackson dance moves when I was little. I used to imitate Groucho Marx and the Marx Brothers, uh, you know, comedians I saw on TV. The impressions, a lot of my favorite comedians did growing up I got to stay up late and watch like Johnny Carson or Saturday Saturday Night Live and I learned like voices by watching these comedians you know do their thing so uh yeah it's definitely something uh that's that's a part of me that's always been there uh so it's something that's fun to do and I make people laugh and and have fun with it so who is uh if you had to name your your largest influence in stand-up or, or comedy in general uh who, who would that be that that that's kind of a difficult one, but if 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 it was just comedy, I would say George Carlin is probably on the very very tip top of my list, uh, just because how direct and blunt he was and and the way he presented things, I really admire him, and a lot of my comedy style definitely I think was influenced by him, but. Uh, there's there's quite a few to be honest. Like I'd say, like Dan Aykroyd is probably another one of my top ones. I'm a huge fan of Ghostbusters, and I grew up to be a real life Ghostbuster. So that uh that was obviously a huge influence. And you know, so, like I said, Saturday Night Live. A lot of the comedians. I, I guess there's like I've been told there's a secret trick in the industry. I mentioned it to somebody, another comedian, one time that I learned my impressions by watching other impressionists. And another comedian told me that's funny. That's actually how a lot of people learn their impressions. It's almost like you recognize the tone of the, the person's voice that uh, that's doing the impression, and then you recognize how they manipulate the, the tone of their voice or the way they move it, and then you're able to replicate that. So, so yeah. George Carlin. You can't go wrong with George Carlin. George Carlin Definitely was an not. absolute comedic genius. Um, that's just like, uh, <clears throat> excuse me. I was, uh, had, was having a conversation with another guest a couple weeks ago. And before we got started, we were, he also, uh, was influenced by comedy growing up and he and I agreed, um, on this. I said, who do you think was the funniest comedian of your, you know, of your, of your lifetime? And uh, because he and I were about the same age 
and George Collin actually came up, but he said his absolute favorite was Robin Williams. Robin Williams, in my mind, um, there had to be there had to be something going on in that guy's head constantly. I mean, it's he was he's he would be that guy that I would say you know he was being led by the voices in his head because that guy was absolutely phenomenal. Uh, I used to love George Carlin though watching his stuff, and like I said, he was he was so obvious with his message. Um, he was very overt in his technique on stage, but he was also hilarious. Uh, he could offend people to their face, and they still laughed about it because they thought it was hilarious. So, yeah, exactly. All right, impressions. What's your, in your opinion, your your three your three favorite impressions that you do? Not not people ask for them. What are your three favorites? Yeah. Um... It's funny because they probably are the ones people ask for a lot. Uh, not necessarily all of them, but sometimes those those come up because I do them a lot. But um, I'd say Christopher Walken is one of my favorite ones. I really like doing Christopher Walken. People really like it and are into it. Uh, Mickey Mouse, you know, these, um, I'd say probably like, I think it was the second. Uh, my tone of Mickey Mouse is more of, I think, the second man who voiced Mickey Mouse. It like, yeah. has that exact tone, I've been told. Uh, and then my other one would probably be uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger because I think it's just fun to, to imitate him and, and kind of be a little a little more crazy and over the top. Okay. Those are my top three. So I'm, I'm a huge Arnold and a huge Christopher Walken fan, so you're going to have to give my listeners and myself a little sample of each one of those for sure. Yeah, definitely. All right, so we're here on the podcast. We're talking about me and my voices. It's crazy. You know, we, we do it a lot. But yeah, there's a little Christopher Walken for you. Oh, my gosh. I want... Uh, I want... Go ahead, go ahead. I wanted some cowbell when you started with Walken. Go ahead. Of course. Uh, yeah, so uh, uh, here we go. I did a rap song as Mickey Mouse in my comedy. So it's the number one mouse in the house, and if you have any doubt, go on your clothes and your mind and your mouth. And you know what I'm rhyming about, getting dough in the highest amount. Say hello, Mickey Mouse. Um, and then Arnold, uh, super fantastic, we'll be here with the podcast. We're talking about what's going on over here. It's fantastic. We love it. We love it. It's great. Oh yeah, that's, that's that's spot on. That is spot on. I, I wish I knew um, which, because you said your Mickey Mouse impression leans more toward the second gentleman that voiced. Uh, yeah, I wish I knew. That's what I've been told. Well, I wish I knew who that gentleman was because I actually, uh, in the next few weeks, um, will be featuring a uh, an episode with one of the gentlemen that actually voiced. Um, Mickey Mouse for a short period of time. He also voiced some Donald Duck, and he also voiced um, uh, Little Ducky, which is a character featured on Tom and Jerry. So that's why yeah. I was wondering if that was the same guy you were talking about. All right, so oh, that's nice. that's fantastic. Um, we also talked about this offset, and and uh, you said you had dabbled with it. When you do your comedy, I, I, you always you try to infuse some of your impression stuff into the. Uh, into your comedy act uh and then i told you the deal i saw on facebook where the guy actually he rapped nursery rhymes as other rappers um yeah 
you you said you've done that in the past or you've thought about doing that in the past or yeah no i've definitely done it so i've auditioned for america's got talent like a handful of times uh whenever out out here when it comes to la uh for the auditions and uh, i've tried different things i've gone in and done original songs i've gone in and done my stand-up comedy i've gone in and done like popular songs with my um with my impressions and i switch voices so i rap like you know mickey mouse uh christopher walken arnold schwarzenegger and kermit the frog or something like that uh, i've also done original um written raps with those characters or you know similar characters so yeah i've definitely done it i've done it in my stand-up comedy and i've done it for auditions for like you know shows like america's got talent so i've definitely uh it's really weird how a lot of my talents cross over I never intentionally or did it at the beginning or thought that it would work but really everything I do kind of intertwines with everything else I do so it's funny that I've used things that I've done musically in my comedy or things I've done in my comedy musically and I've kind of you know intertwined all of them okay we we talked about you brought up America's Got Talent we were talking about this offset do we want to go ahead and rip the veil of uh, off and and uh, expose the controversy of America's Got Talent? Do you want to take this moment to do that, or, or do we want to just keep that a secret and, and maybe we'll talk about that later? You want to do it now, or we want to do it later. Well, we can do it now. We can do a quick bit. All I right, mean, all right, all right, guys. Detail, listen, we can just do it since you brought it up. This is breaking news, listeners. You need to listen to what the man's about to say. He's fixing to rip the veil of controversy. Go ahead. Yeah, well, like, if, if you don't know about the, the entertainment industry, particularly reality TV, uh, I got a little shocking news for you. Um, it's not reality. Most of the stuff is set up and scripted and, and put together, and America's Got Talent is no different. There's actually a former contestant who actually wrote a book. Uh, I forget the name of the book off the top of my head, but he wrote a book about how it actually works, and if, on a good season, maybe 10% are actually selected from the audition process, but they actually go across the country and now across the world, and they look for established acts who aren't national or international yet, and they put them on the show. So they actually select a lot of the people. So it's actually very difficult to get on the show, and I see that the people who tend to make it when I go to the auditions are usually the one-off people. Like, they dress really crazy, they have some sort of crazy act, and it's really over the top, and it probably is not even going to make it through the entire show. It's just there for, like, the, kind of like the intro episode. All right, this lady came in and did something really crazy. Let's put her on because it will be interesting, and then you never see him again. So... Uh, that's kind of the reality of reality TV, uh, in case you didn't know. <laughs> some of the, some of the oddity, I call them oddity acts, some of the oddity acts that I see make it through, you know, through the selection process, uh, that's, that's just a, they're just looking for a quick rating spike, because everybody's gonna tune in and see the guy that's, you know, I don't know, balancing himself on razor sharp spikes while, I don't know, cracking walnuts, with his hands or something you know just something off the wall yeah um but i mean some of the stuff that you're you're putting at them's pretty cutting edge pretty uh pretty off the wall so uh have have you not had you've had moderate success in the selection process or um you know it's hit or miss um i've definitely only one time and they, apparently they don't do this all the time but one time i made it through to like this secret second round so like don't tell people about this unless you get past the first producer whoever you audition for um 
But I, 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 the lady called me back in. I was the only one out of like 30 people that got called back into the room. And they said, hey, okay, here, take your paperwork. Um, you're going to go to the second audition. Nobody really knows about it, but they're like the, the closer producers to the show. Um, you know, and they might give you some tips. The lady said, like, move around more, you know, like use more energy. But I think you're really funny, you know, rapping like that. Uh, Mickey Mouse or whatever I did. Like, I was really great. You're really funny. And I was like, oh, okay. So, you know, I got a little confidence. And then... Um, and just something I noticed when I went to that second round of auditions, I don't know why this is, and I don't know if it's something about me in particular that does this, but uh, the producer I auditioned for was a female producer. She thought I was hilarious and talented and, and loved it and put me through. And then when I went to the second room, it was a panel of producers, and it was a couple males, a couple females. So I did my thing. Uh, the females seemed very impressed. They were like, wow, you're really funny. Like, that was really good. And then the males were, like, very unimpressed. Like, one of the, literally one of the producers told me, well, that's an interesting way to do impressions. And just kind of brushed me off. And I'm like, wow, dude. Like, I put my heart and soul into this. Like, this comes from, from my creative side. And you're just like, well, that's different. Like, so I'm not different enough to make it on the show. I'm just different enough to, you know, make it to this secret round. Like, okay, whatever. Like, it's cool. So, you know, that's kind of how it is. You know, I try not to be too defeated by it. But, I mean, it definitely is, hurts a little sometimes with people. Like, you don't have a reason for things or they, they say certain weird things to you. And you're just like, okay, well, whatever. You know, one day, you know, when you see me on TV or whatever, don't, don't come crawling back to me. That's all I got to say. <laughs> I'm glad. Um, I, what you're talking about right now, I, I try to explain this, especially to my uh, my youngest child. I have three kids and my youngest child, she's uh, just recently out of high school. And she grew up on, I mean, she of my three, she has spent more time watching reality TV, which, and I try to explain to her, that's the most unreal thing you'll ever see. Uh, I call it I call it the Kardashian effect because until Ryan Seacrest put the Kardashians on television and tried to convince you that that's what they do every day, the reality. I mean, you had shows like Survivor and stuff like you know game type deal that were so called reality, which weren't. They were super scripted also, but the Kardashians kind of took reality television to a whole different level. And that's, uh-huh. and we have a whole generation of young people that believe that that is exactly how these people live every day, and it's oh, not. Yes. It's insane. Yes. Uh, you yeah. you live on the West Coast, you know it's Hollywood. That's what it is. Hollywood is oh, a world yeah. of make believe. Yeah, everyone's an actor, unfortunately, and not in a good way. <laughs> All right. Now talking about uh, fairy tales or unbelievable things, or or uh, and I don't, I'm not going to use the term fake. Because I'm yeah. going to admit to you now, I am a closet believer. Let's talk about yeah. another interest, passion you have about the paranormal world. Um, yeah. Like I told you, the previous guest that I interviewed, that this 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 is what he he says a side project. He's also he's a paranormal investigator, and I told him I said, look, man, I I want to be convinced. I am a closet believer. So uh, get, tell us a little bit about first of all how you even got involved in, in paranormal um, investigation. Yeah, definitely, of course. So it starts way back. I was two years old. I stayed at my grandmother's house, which was a common thing, so it wasn't, you know, uh, not normal for me to do that. But uh, this particular time I stayed there, uh, my grandfather, who passed away when I was three months old, appeared at the foot of the bed he used to sleep in in his bedroom. I was sleeping in that particular uh, early morning, and I freaked out. I started crying. I didn't know what was going on. You know, I, I he died when I was three months old, so I didn't really 
I wouldn't have recognized them, uh, you know, other than pictures I've seen. Um, and I freaked out, ran to my grandma's room, told her what happened. She said it was a bad dream and like, don't worry about it. And I started experiencing things like very often uh, at, at a young age. And I think for about eight years, my family didn't say anything and they downplayed that first incident. So I didn't speak about it for a long time. Uh, I think when I was about 10 years old, they finally sat me down and said, hey, we didn't want to scare you because you were little, but like we've all seen things. My grandma before she came here from Italy, saw stuff out there. My mom saw stuff before me and my brother were born. So like apparently my family is sensitive and experiences this stuff a lot. So that really opened me up to opening up about what I experienced as well as wanting to study it more. So I had them, you know, at that time, uh, which I want to say was like maybe early 90s, uh, probably in that, that time frame somewhere. There was no reality shows or TV shows or a lot of info about ghosts, so I'd have them give me books about that stuff and read up on it and research it. And, uh, you know, there were shows like Sightings on Fox that I would watch when I was little that talked about UFOs and ghosts and, and different stories. Unsolved Mysteries was another show that would talk about, you know, paranormal stuff. So that's kind of how I got my interest. And eventually, uh, I met my best friend in high school. We started looking up haunted places and going out and buying little equipment to kind of like investigate a little bit. Uh, by the time I got to college, um, we started meeting some people in the field that mentored us and kind of taught us how to investigate. I started studying psychology and eventually moved on to metaphysics and, and parapsychology, which is uh, essentially, uh, you know, looking at psychology, but from kind of the perspective of that the brain has other abilities that we don't talk about that aren't easily tested, but potentially exist because people experience strange things and see strange things and not everybody does. So I uh, eventually earned my PhD in parapsychology in 2009. Um, and you know, I have a nonprofit now called the Southern California Paranormal Detectives and we assist people dealing with the paranormal. We investigate all things, not just ghosts, uh, UFOs and aliens, cryptozoology, which is Bigfoot and Chupacabra and all kinds of weird creatures. Uh, the strangest things we've encountered. Uh, we've had clients call us and saying it was ghosts. And then when we got there, uh, they ended up telling us about some government conspiracy about mind control or like, you know, weird tests they were doing. And uh, yeah, so we covered the whole spectrum and uh, it's, it's a big passion of mine looking for the unknown. I'm, I'm a curious man and I like to go look for stuff. So that's kind of where it all started. Plus, I'm a huge Ghostbusters fan and my mom saw it right before she popped with me. So my joke is I loved it from the womb and, you know, I grew up to have one of my childhood dreams come true and be a Ghostbuster. So... Yeah, and we're talking about the original Ghostbuster franchise, not the reboot. Oh, yeah. yeah, we're we're yeah, talking about the Dan we're talking about the Dan Aykroyd. Uh Ivan yeah, Reitner. Yeah. Absolutely. That was that was uh I, I love the that movie series. Uh I don't I don't know if that actually like got me into the idea. Like I told you, I was a I'm a closet believer. I would love to believe that it actually exists. Um yeah. I would love to have an experience to be able to, you know, justify any type of belief in it i'm gonna ask you a question yeah. about believing and not believing yeah. when you go into an investigation you personally i mean mm. i know you probably get people within your group are different do you go in thinking that you're going to find something or do you go in trying to debunk uh, all right so then i love that question that's actually a great question and we actually hold all our members to the same standard of, of how we perform investigations. We call ourselves skeptical believers. Now, all of us have had our own personal experiences, sometimes together, sometimes in the group. But whenever you approach this, we always try to use the scientific method and test it 
you know, test it out, see if we can replicate what the clients are telling us or what the activity is supposed to be. And we have to make sure we, you know, you know, cross all the T's and dot all the I's. And once we can determine that it's not something normal, it can't be something normal, then we'll leave it at it was something paranormal or unknown. So yeah, we definitely use a scientific method and we try to go in without having too much bias towards, oh, it's definitely haunted or it's definitely, you know, whatever paranormal activity it might be. Uh, We definitely approach it using the scientific method and try to go in and not have any preconceived notions of what it could be. Uh, we'd rather test out, find out, oh, hey, because we've gotten plenty of places where, hey, so we found nests in your attic and you got rodents in your wall running around. It's not ghosts, you know? So it's like you need to call an exterminator, not a ghostbuster. <laughs> so we definitely try to approach it using the scientific method and testing it out before we determine that it's something unknown. Okay, here, here's an off-the-wall paranormal question for you. Um, because you have other talents, uh, we've already discussed that you... Uh, you sing, you rap, you, you do impressions. Have you ever tried to interact to uh, invoke an EVP, which is an electronic voice phenomenon for those of you that do not know, uh, trying to uh, evoke a response from an entity using some of those other talents, singing, doing an impression? For, for example, if you went to investigate, um, let's say you went to investigate the... the uh, the birthplace of Johnny Cash, let's say, and let's say you're able to do Johnny Cash's voice, would you actually try to interact with an entity using his voice? Uh, yeah, so usually when we're doing investigations, if nothing is happening and there's reported activity, when we try all our normal methods of trying to get, you know, evoke some sort of reaction or something from an entity that possibly could be there, if nothing of our normal, uh, you know, things work then we might go that far i mean we've definitely we've definitely heard stories of like oh it reacts to singing or it reacts to this or that and we'll once we do our normal like i said testing of of what's there we will try other methods there's there's times where we're very serious and we don't hear anything happening so i tell my team or the members that i'm with let's change the tone let's make it more fun and friendly and see if this thing interacts with us maybe we're too serious for whatever's here and his personality is more friendly or funny so yeah we've definitely um i wouldn't say directly uh i've tried like necessarily impressions or anything but yeah if i if i had the opportunity to go to a place of somebody i impersonate maybe that passed away um, I would definitely, uh, you know, try probably doing a voice and trying to get a, a response or reaction that way. So I definitely think outside the box and try new things uh, when I get the chance. I just, I, I, the reason I ask that is I just think that'd be a wild concept. For example, if you if you did uh, Tupac, for example, and you went to where Tupac you know, lived, and then you uh-huh. you interacted with Tupac's spirit or entity in Tupac's own voice what kind of reaction you'd get so yeah no just a wild out there kind of look if you ever try that though and you get a response please man save save the file and shoot it to me email it to me I'd love to hear that so oh of course definitely (laughs) alright man we have in the last few minutes we have gone from the Wu-Tang Clan and MySpace all the way to the Unexplained and uh, I believe Fox Mulder uh, from X-Files said it best, the truth is out there. Um, and you seem like a guy that will, will constantly search for the truth. Hey, before uh, you get out of here, I need you to let my listeners, because 
a lot of my people that listen to this podcast probably never heard of you before. Uh, they are now fans of yours because of something that you now do. Uh, you know, I, through your comedy, through your music, through your paranormal investigation, let them know how they can get in touch with you, how they can follow you on different social media platforms. Of course, thank you. Yeah, definitely. So my main website is www.mcpierre.com. That's my rap name. That's the letter M, the letter C, P-I-E, double R-E. And it has uh, links to all of my other stuff, from my comedy to my paranormal and all that. And uh, my handle on social media is at Talented. That's Talented with an extra E-D because I do so much. I made a, uh, a word for myself. <laughs> so that's how you find me on like Twitter, Instagram, all that good stuff. And then if you want strictly my paranormal stuff that's paranormaldetectives.org that's paranormaldetectives.org and uh yeah those are all my uh main social media things and websites that i use and you can find out everything about me on there jean pierre i can't thank you enough for taking time to sit down and talk to me from long beach california to here in mississippi i do appreciate you taking time uh today to talk to me and i will uh I want to touch base with you somewhere in the future, uh, kind of get caught up with you on where you are and all your different um, endeavors and your trappings. And, uh, hey, maybe after this airs, AGT will fix their wrong, and I'll actually see you featured on the show. So, <laughs> Thanks. All right. Like I said, yeah, thank you. Know, great. I can't thank you enough for being here. All right, guys. And, and as always, all right, brother. As always, Wally out. Just a quick word from us here at World of Wally. Um, we are always looking for support from our listeners to help continue our purpose, continue our drive, continue our mission. Uh, here at World of Wally, we strive to provide top-notch, compelling content that appeals to all ages and backgrounds. We do approach the podcast as a vehicle to deliver this information in a way that everyone, even the common man or common woman, feels that content speaks directly to them. We can only continue to provide thought-provoking and engaging conversations and guests with your help and your support. World of Wally is nothing without you, the listener, and your support. Thank you from all of us here at World of Wally. If you want to become part of our journey here as this project continues, uh, find out more at our Patreon link uh, at www.patreon.com front slash World of Wally. Uh, you also will be able to find it in the episode notes of each episode throughout season two. Like I said, guys, we couldn't do it without you. We don't want to do it without you. So anything you can do to help, we appreciate it. And as always, guys, Wally out. Hey, guys, join me, William Wally, every Tuesday and Friday as I share my thoughts and have engaging discussions with various guests tackling all types of topics from religion, politics, sports, social media, and also current events and everyday observations from my very own life. Just a small town guy with some big time opinions. Love me or hate me, but you will want to listen in weekly on the podcast, World of Wallace.